Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. We must really understand that God desires to be sought after by us. He desires us to seek him out. He freely gave to us. He initiated the relationship, so to speak. He reached first, so to speak, in in several different ways. In one way, in the fact that simply he created us. And he created us because he desired fellowship with us. But he's not going to insist on it. He is not going to demand it. So that's where it gets flipped over to us. That's where it gets flipped to the seeking side. I think a lot of times people recline back, they sit back after salvation, and they don't seek the Lord, and then they wonder where the Lord is in their life. It's like one-way friendships. Have you ever had a friendship that you didn't realize it at the time, but you were always the initiator. And then all of a sudden, you don't call them anymore or you don't send them a text anymore in today's day of texting. And all of a sudden, you don't hear from them. But then when you initiate, their response is, well, where have you been? How have you been? I haven't heard from you. That doesn't work. That doesn't grow. There's not a continued intimacy in that. And so God desires to seek us. And I heard an amazing message on Sunday morning, and I want to share some points from it and some revelation the Lord has been speaking to me about seeking. And I promise you this, he is pounding on our door saying, it is time. It's time for you to pursue me. It's time for you to find me. It's time for you to seek me. Now, he's not playing hide and seek, but he desires us to pursue him. How do we, how do we seek? What, what does that mean? What does that look like? It's very simple. Okay, it's almost too simple. How do we seek? We simply set aside time. We set aside time. That's all. I promise you, if you set aside time, God will be there. He's not going to stand you up. It's like making plans with somebody to have a cup of coffee. Now, think about how, this is kind of funny, think about how ridiculous this would be. I want to spend time with a friend, okay? So, I go to a coffee shop down the street and I wait for my friend to show up. Now she's not going to show up because she doesn't know I've set aside time for her. Or I guess a better analogy is if I'm just in my home, but I would like to meet a friend for coffee down the street at the coffee shop, but I'm sitting in my house 
I don't go to the coffee shop. I don't even call my friend. But I sit at home desiring to have coffee with my friend. It seems ridiculous when we think of it like that in the natural, but we do it to God all the time. We sit in our place, we go through our motions, we do our thing, we fill our time with fillers, with things, with to-do lists, even responsibilities, but, and we still desire God, but we have not set aside any time for Him. Set aside time because it is time. Set aside time because it is time. So there's a scripture, and it's in Isaiah 55. Let me jump over there real quick. What translation do I want to go with? The basics of it, while while I'm getting there, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. So we have to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Does that mean there's a time that he won't be near? It's pretty powerful. Call on him while he is near. Verse seven says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. But you see our responsibility in it? I say this all the time. We have a responsibility in every area with the Lord, in everything with the Lord. We have a responsibility, and we have to understand that we do. We must seek him while he can still be found. I want to jump over to the Amplified really quick and see how that reads that verse out. It's still, it's still the same. It's still the same point of it. But there's a time where he's going to pull. There's a time where time's up. There just is. There, there's going to be a day. And then people will truly be uh, crying out and calling out and gnashing their teeth and screaming for the Lord. But it's going to be kind of like the Noah's Ark, kind of similar to that. And I think our hearts have grown callous to the fact that that one day will will, um, take place again. So what does it all mean? What is this saying to us? This isn't even the scripture that I heard shared on Sunday, but this has been coming over and over in my mind, in, in my spirit, I guess, that to seek me while I can be found, to call on me while I am still near. In other words, turn, turn from the unrighteousness in your life, turn from the complacency in your life, turn from the compromise in your life, turn from it. And you may think, well, I really don't have any compromise in my life. Well, let me ask you this. Is there something you now do that you wouldn't have done a year ago or you wouldn't have done five years ago, but now it's okay? Is there a way that you talk or words that you speak that you never would have said a year ago and certainly not five years ago, but now it's okay? Are there things you watch 
and things you do that you would never have done a year ago, that you never would have found acceptable in your life five years ago. But now you shrug your shoulders. Now it's okay. That's compromise. And compromise will bring us down to the pits of hell. We better make sure we're not compromising in our hearts, in our homes. The woman, the the seductive woman talked about in Proverbs, her name is Compromise. And she will take you down with her. I promise you that. He has compassion on us. Just like we would have compassion on our own children. And if you've listened on a regular basis, you've heard me say over and over again, just like us with our children, we have compassion on our children. We are, our hearts go out to our children. We are sympathetic with our children. But there's also a line we do not allow our children to cross. They will only get so many warnings. You might be a parent that gives them one warning. You might be a parent that counts to three. You might be a parent that counts to five. But I promise you this, you've got your threshold. And after that, discipline has to come in or you're going to raise a spoiled brat. And it's the same with God. He has compassion on us. And depending on our hearts, because he's looking upon the heart, and I even believe depending on the child, he'll give one warning. He may even count to three sometimes. He may even go all the way up to five sometimes. But there is a threshold and he will have to pull himself from us and stir us to draw to him. It's kind of like the prodigal son. The father didn't go hunting the prodigal son down. Did he go hunting him down? No, he didn't. But the moment that prodigal son sought out his father, regardless of all that he had done, none of it mattered. But the father had to stay where the father was. See, he didn't go hunting him down. He kept his distance because his son was in sin. He gave him the money he wanted before he left. But once that was out, that was out. You want your freedom? Go. You think that's fun over there? Go. You want to you wanna control your own life? Go. I'll be here. I'll be here. And that's what God says so many times. And we begin to enter compromise. That's what it's talking about when it says, seek him while he may still be found. Call out to him while he is still near before you move away from him. Not him moving away from you. See, that's the thing. God's not, that is so good. God's not leaving us. We're leaving him. So that's why he says, call on him while he is near. Because your compromise and your complacency and your lukewarmness pulls you further away from him. And now there's a distance. Because the moment that prodigal son could be seen on that road, we know the story. We're familiar with it. The father ran and met him when the son was headed to him and embraced him. And none of it mattered. Now is the day. Now is the time. When the scripture says, let the wicked abandon his ways. 
when Isaiah 6, I'm sorry, 55, 6 and 7 talks about the wickedness abandoning their unrighteousness, you know, truthfully, see, when we think about wickedness, we think about gross, deep, dark sin. That is not how God thinks of wickedness. That is not how God thinks of unrighteousness. He looks at anything outside of holiness as wickedness. Anything outside of holiness, he looks at as unrighteousness. If it's not right, it's wrong. You know, we make all these gray areas in our lives. We make excuses in our lives. There's no gray area with God. Go read Romans. Go even start just at chapter one. It's amazing. Just in chapter one of Romans, where it seems like we are today. And it's that is wickedness. If we fall in any of those categories, And we know, even in Revelation, about the lukewarm church, the lukewarm Christian. It makes Jesus nauseous to his stomach. We got to let go of compromise and complacency. It's got to go. And and it's any of us can step into it in any moment. And, you know, I'm not talking about the person that's, you know, not jumping out of bed with the torch in their hand, you know, every moment of every day of every year of their life. Because we all have moments where we have to, we have to push ourselves. We have, we have to push ourselves to pray. We have to push ourselves to open the Bible and read. We, we, there's just days we don't feel like it. You know, for, for me, there's just days I don't feel like it in my flesh. But once I get to it, Once I open the word of God and start reading, now it's flowing. Now the time passes by quickly. When I say, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to pray for 20 minutes. You know, just just try this out. 30 minutes, whatever it might be, an hour, whatever, five minutes. That first one or two minutes seems like it takes forever because our flesh doesn't want to do it and the enemy certainly doesn't want us to do it. But after that, after you pass those first few minutes, it's like, man, the rest of the time just flies by. And it's like, I can't believe I've been praying this long. I can't believe I've been reading this long. Because it gets something stirs in us. Because God is alive. His word is alive. Communication and fellowship with him is alive. We just got to seek it. We got to step aside and set aside time because it's time. Seek me while I can still be found. Seek me while I can still be found. I'm not willing to risk it. It's a warning, but an encouragement to embrace the things of the Lord because he desires you to embrace him. We all love to be sought after. So does God. It feels good when a friend reaches out. It feels good when somebody says, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to see you. Just because I don't even have anything on the table. I have no initiative. I have no agenda. Those are the most encouraging moments. And it's the same with, can we not, can we go to God just because we want to worship? Just because 
we want to edify him and thank him and be grateful in our hearts to him? Or do we always, you know, do we always have an agenda? Do we always have an initiative? How do you respond to friends in your life, relationships in your life, when there's always something they want from you, the only time you hear from them? Or even 80% of the time you hear from them, it's because they have an agenda. You begin to begrudge the relationship. Let's seek God just because we desire to seek God while he's here to be found. You know, another way you could put that is seek God now. Now seek him while he's still close to you. In other words, before you get too far away from him. Kill the flesh. Set aside the flesh. Stop doing what you feel like doing. Stop justifying what it is you're doing. Stop being held back from your destiny because you've become complacent and seek him while he can be found. There's an urgency to this. Yes, there is. There's an urgency and there's a promise. What's the promise? Because he says, seek me, or seek, Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found while he's still near. So what's the promise? What's the scripture that gives us promise? I'm sure you're pretty familiar with this. And it's in Matthew 7, 7. And it, you know, ask and it shall be given to you. I'm turning there. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be what? Given to you. What does it all mean? I'm still not at Matthew. (laughs) It's actually in all of the Gospels, but I tend to go to the Matthew 7-7. In the Amplified, it says, keep on asking, it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently and the door will be open to you. Keep on. Keep on in this time of now with an urgency. See, the asking you will receive, the seeking you will find, the knock and the door will be open to you is a promise with conditions. Sorry, it is. There's promise, but there's condition on it. What are we doing? We have to ask. And we can't just ask for something ridiculous. Ask anything according to my word, according to my will, according to my promises. It has to line up. You know, we can, I mean, I can sit here and ask the Lord that my bank account be overflowing with millions of dollars. But is that his will for me right now in this moment? I don't want anything outside of his will, even several million dollars. No, I don't want that outside of his will. Whoever asks, whoever seeks, and whoever finds is going to receive from the Lord, and he will always be near them. Verse eight, for everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking, it's not a one-time deal, finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. And you know, I use an example of our children a lot, and this actually, Matthew verse nine, he uses children as an example. And this is Jesus's words. What man is there of you if your son asked him for a loaf of bread, will hand him a stone? 
or ask for a fish, you're going to hand him a serpent. No, of course not. And if us, as evil as we are, Jesus speaking, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to our children, how much more will the Father in heaven, as perfect as he is, give good and advantageous things to those who keep on, diligent, persistent, determined, not complacent, not compromising, not sitting down and giving up. None of those. Verse 12, so then whatever you desire that others would do to and for you, do also to them. For this sums up the law of the prophets of reaping and sowing. You know, we're going to reap what we sow for sure. Also in all of this. You know, let's not forget. Let's not forget in this seeking, in this seeking now time, this setting aside time because it's time. Let's not forget the ultimate, I almost forgot this scripture, the ultimate scripture of all this, in my opinion, is Matthew 6.33, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Some say added to you. Actually, the Amplified says, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will have its own worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is that day's own trouble. Our portion in the struggle, in in the good, is to seek him. When we seek, truly set aside time because it's time, we will never be disappointed in the Lord. We will never be discouraged in the Lord. It won't happen. So this seeking is talking about getting to know God and getting to know his ways. How do you do that? How do I get to know somebody? And I'm not talking about knowing of them, but knowing them. I spend time with them. It's the only way. There's no shortcut. There's no quick route. It's spending time with someone. That's how you get to know them. So we got to keep on. We got to keep on. And I'm just about out of time, but I do want to share really quick the scripture that was shared on Sunday. I haven't even gotten to that. And it's in Hosea 10, verse 12. And it really truthfully pulls together everything I just shared, which is awesome. And I'm reading from the Amplified. So for yourselves, according to righteousness, Uprightness and right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. Uprightness and right standing with God. Reap according to mercy and loving kindness. So if we're sowing into righteousness, if we're sowing into right standing with God, we are going to reap mercy and loving kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground. Some scriptures say fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground, your heart, for it is time to seek the Lord. 
to inquire for and of him and to require his favor till he comes and teaches you righteousness and rains his righteous gift of salvation upon you. So powerful. Let's seek the Lord while there's time. Now is the time, and there's an urgency to this. And so into a life of righteousness, missing, missing compromise, missing complacency. And so, and this is what was broken down on Sunday, just really quick. In just this one scripture, there's three portions for us and one portion for God. I don't care. You show me a scripture in the Bible that doesn't have a commitment from us, that has a promise. Can Even salvation requires us to believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for us and to repent of our sin and turn from our ways. As free as salvation is, there is that requirement on it. And so in this scripture, our responsibilities are to sow according to righteousness. Our responsibility is to break up our uncultivated ground, our fallow ground. And then our third thing is to seek and inquire of the Lord. Get to know him. Get to know him. And his part? Reign righteousness and favor upon us. That's it. He will reign his righteous gift upon us. He teaches us righteousness. I, it doesn't matter what the person on your right's opinion is. It doesn't matter what the person on your left's opinion is. It doesn't matter what the person sitting across from you's opinion is. What does God say to you? What does God's word say? He teaches you righteousness. We do our part and he does his part every single time. And I want to leave, I want to leave you with this. We can't do his part. We get ahead of ourselves sometimes trying to do his part. And he will not do our part. And I think sometimes we get lazy in waiting for him to do our part. So remember that. He will not do our part and we cannot do his part. But there is a promise that if we plow the ground of our hearts and we plant seeds of love, purity, and peace, of kindness and hope, if we plant seeds of the spirit of the Lord and not the flesh, we separate ourselves from the lust of the flesh, we will receive his favor and his righteousness poured upon us, his mercy poured upon us, his love and kindness poured upon us. Seek him while he may be found. Seek him while he is still near you. Call upon him. Do it now. Do it now. I want to close with this. I've said it. Set aside time because it is time and 
Keep on seeking. Keep on pursuing. Go deeper. I promise you, there's more.